the film series that won't die. Over 40 movies, one house, actually several houses, and cursed artifacts. If there's even that much of a connection. Welcome back to the Amityville Horror Podcast. I am Tom. I'm Pat. And this week we're doing something different. So what you want to do right now, if you want to play along with us, is to go to YouTube. Look up Amityville Gas Chamber. You'll know it when you find a guy in a uh, black t-shirt with glasses sitting and reading a novel. Uh, It's Rotted Reviews and or Rotted Entertainment. That's R-O-T-T-E. D is in David, so it's not like N is in Nancy. And we are going to watch Amityville Gas Chamber along with you. So we will give you 10, 9, 8, 7. You can six. also just pause the podcast. Wow. All right. Dude. Five. No. No. Four. No. It's starting now. It's starting now. Gas Chamber's starting now. I was going to count you guys down, but Pat said, fuck you. I was encouraging them, I was trying to help. <laughs> So, this guy, I don't know, I couldn't find his name, Uh, he does horror movie reviews, and he has, in fact, like us, watched all of the Amityville movies, Mm -hmm. but unlike us, he has created his own. We have talked about it. So angry. And we are still, um, we're still working on the idea, but we've got, you know... Plenty of Amityville's just... Well, actually, this is the end of the current releases that we have, to our knowledge. Maybe. This guy may have found another one. Yeah. Um, On the screen, it just said there are 38 of them as of him making this. And we have posted 41 episodes now? I think so. Well, we also have the Texas Chainsaw guys in there. Oh, no, I'm, I'm only counting. I'm oh, separated. Oh, okay. no, we're at, I've got them split into seasons on the mm-hmm. feed gotcha. or numbering it. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but he may have found another one. I was watching his reviews. We were going to have to debate it, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll check it out. I mean, we're watching this, which is yeah. a guy reading a book on YouTube. Yeah, this is um, it. He literally is just reading the original Amityville horror novel in front of a fake uh, fireplace and everything and will be periodically farting. Yep. And periodically giving us trivia about the Amityville horror franchise movies I don't know there was again if you're watching along with ephemera yeah peripherals and I he's he's mainly doing this as kind of like a John Oliver making a point thing where like you can just you honest to god can just put the word Amity in front of anything and market it as a movie now yeah Again, something we've talked about too, and we just were a little more ambitious on our designs, um, and or conversely lazy in actually doing it. Well, the laziness <laughs> kicks in once the ambition outreaches are getting off the couch. Uh, first thing, did you know this is one hundred times better than Amityville Mount Misery Road? I agree. I agree as well. Yeah, because <laughs> a minute you know. in, and I could not agree more with this statement. <laughs> yeah, but he has, he's gone through and done all these. Uh, you would watch some of his reviews. I yes. did not get a chance to, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back and check them out. It's what I've seen. It's kind of like 
it, it's a it, well. They they range from like five to twenty minutes, and so they're uh, by their nature much less in depth than what we're doing. But his is more uh, of a recommendation thing as opposed to us eating the sins of other people. And I will say, like in depth, uh, I don't know about because he goes in depth and actually remembers like a lot of the names and whatnot so folks we go point by point through it but he looks to have done research well he, he he's scripted right so we're, yeah. we're doing yeah we we're do free we, we do very little research mm-hmm. and then we watch the movie and try to remember yeah. the thing we just watched he is journalism we are op-ed yeah the official budget of this film is four dollars and 98 cents the cost of the paperback book for those of you watching at home we're reading to you just like he's reading to himself. not to us but yeah to himself it's a terrible joke I've done at trivia every so often alright now let me read the final scores and now let me do it out loud oh my god yeah <laughs> he also he he has a he's drinking from a branded mug cause he likes to make money off of his efforts why I thought we, that was just we a well placed watermark on the screen <laughs> No, no, it's routed reviews. The mug, yeah. The above the uh, faux uh, in the faux background above the crackling fireplace says, "Watch more bad movies." Oh, we do. We do. So many. So I I watched uh, the majority of his first uh, dive into the Amityville movies. He watched and reviewed uh, what he was able to find were 22 movies that he thought were available. He subsequently uh, reviewed another eight in a big bunch and then has been periodic. Oh, uh, we missed one. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you at home. I hope that. Yeah. Once yeah, yeah is you should be watching along with us. Mm-hmm. And um, the reviews are uh, are fairly accurate. Um, I think because of the. Uh, because of how many he was doing in one go, he doesn't go into a lot more detail. He goes into more detail in the, in the eight movie one that you were watching along with me, but gotcha. the earlier one, like he only does talks about Pose- uh, Amityville Two, the Possession, uh, for like five minutes. Well, and he thinks it doesn't really add anything that wasn't in the first one, other than incest, mm-hmm. which. Dude. Sorry, now like I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it's tur- it's turned me on him a little bit. <laughs> No, even more so than him making this whole goddamn thing. But still, again, just reading. He didn't make Mount Misery Road. So. He didn't make Mount Misery Road. I just, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you want we want to promote and support everybody doing the same sorts of yeah. things that we do. And even even the people. Uh, well, again, Mount Misery Road was more of a vacation that they tried to make a tax write off. <laughs> I'm guessing. But overall, these are people trying to get creative creative yes. endeavors out there, and it's a chance for us to watch a bunch of indie upstart voices or whatever's and like just check out the no budget stuff I generally love that kind of stuff did you know there is at least one real on camera fart in this movie try guessing which one parentheses s ones oh sure you're gonna be more on my side by the end of this than not (laughs) I'm just saying like I'm okay with supporting people trying to get out there and do something goofy, something silly, something whatever. Mm. Um, 
this has been our way to watch a bunch of this kind of stuff and like watch stuff all over the spectrum of budget and ability instead of just picking arbitrary hey let's have a bad movie podcast and yeah. then, you know like there's themes um I like bad movies. I've liked bad movies my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was little, I didn't know the difference between a good bad movie. I just watched whatever was on, and you find something to hook into. Like, yeah. I mean, it was so easy to be scared by anything when I was a kid, so, like, horror was super easy. Yeah. You know? Um, comedy, I mean, yeah, comedy's super easy as a kid. Mm-hmm. Rat fouls and puns. Um, wait... There's one. Okay. Um, God, we're just watching a fat guy reading and farting. He's living the life that I that like. He, I'm watching a man live the life that I live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the initial DVD release of. Oh, uh, this is about the uh, Vi- Amityville Vibrator. Apparently, the initial run was uh, limited to 666 copies. All of them were numbered, and his, he uh, reveals, is number 520. Patrick does not remember if his was numbered. Yeah, I honestly didn't think to check. Um, he was more concerned with, you know, uh, disinfecting. Yeah. That was a rough one. That was, so let's, like, yeah, let's, rather than talk about the guy who did the same thing as us, our journey so far, now that we are 40 plus movies into this series, too, still stands out as just the craziest, most fun. It's the best one. Um, it's just the best one. I'm more like I would like it to be surpassed. I yeah. mean, within you would have thought like one would come close, but they don't. It was fun watching his reviews. Uh, they that we they had a lot of like similar moments where it's like. Um, uh, did you know the actual Amityville house has changed hands several times over the years? Owners have generally not welcomed attracted tourists. The iconic windows have been replaced with more ordinary rectangles, and they even had the address changed. Aww. If you ever visit, please be respectful of their privacy. Some people just want to live in a nice house peacefully. Yeah, just like, again, the Walter White house in, you know, well, yeah. Albuquerque. People throwing pizza on the roof. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. People can be real assholes if they think that they're fans. Just ask anyone uh, who had to back away from Rick and Morty or Star Wars or plenty of other things with fans who are assholes. Mm. Um, yeah. That's a bummer about the windows, though. That, that's just a shame for the house. Eh, privacy. Literally, you've got people I, taking no, I, pictures I, I of your windows. I am, I'm not saying they were wrong. I'm just saying it's a shame. Oh, yeah. Uh... But it was fun, like, when he got to, uh, like, w- when he was knee-deep into the director video when he got to the, um, oh, I forget. It was the one where it follows the teenage girl, and it turns out the whole town is a, is a big Amityville cult trying to kill right. them in the house. Was it just the Amityville cult, or at least maybe no. one of the releases? No, it wasn't the Amityville cult. I forget the name. Oh, uh. But it was funny. He's like, and this was a breath of fresh air. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. So that was good. But um, Amityville as a whole? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> that was some time. That was bad timing. Um, I guess you at home, if you're not worried, if you're, if you're not sure if you're synced up with us, I don't know if you can hear the farts from the screen or not, but, well... Yeah. I, I guess it would be a good timer. And 
I feel like we could probably skip reading all of the trivia bits. Those will be for the people reading and watching at home so they can get all of his trivia tidbits. And if okay. we're commenting on something, sure. we can come back to it. It was the Amityville Terror. The Terror. With a biker high school girl and the crazy cult of Amityville, which, yeah. man, that movie was a good time. Yeah. It's for some reason in my brain when I saw the title Amityville Terror on the list, I usually think that it's... Amityville, but it's a ship trapped in ice. It's 100, 200 years ago. I hadn't watched that whole show, though. So. I, I was hoping more for, like, uh, it's Amityville, but it's set during the French Revolution. Ooh, that could have been fun, right? Like, do, like, do like, uh, like the Hellraiser 4... Where, oh, you know, yeah. it's just like we, we go back to the um, yeah. the uh, the French era when the box was actually made. Mm-hmm. When the house was designed. When the house was designed. It was Le Marchand. Right? Le Marchand. Yeah. The, yeah. And we don't have to go to space because that's already been done. Well, that was done in the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. That's so we can point. skip the... Yeah, that other act of Hellraiser 4. Maybe we can get Adam Scott into the movie. Oh, if we could get Adam Scott into the movie. Yeah, he like, has been in... Uh, should we reveal it? I guess well, we just did. Yeah, like the uh, so now that we're at the at another lull in Amityville's, we will be switching to another horror franchise, and we're very excited because we have such sights to show you in the Hellraiser movies. Mm-hmm. We figured since we kept mentioning them over and over and over let's again, just get it out of our system. Let's just get it out of our system, and they are eleven movies of wildly varying quality. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, I own most stuff. <laughs> the most, like, there there was a consistency for a stretch in that you had Doug Bradley for the first eight. Yes. Like, as Pinhead. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Peter Atkins co-wrote, wrote or co-wrote two, three, and four. I think co-wrote, at least. Co-wrote, but, like, was involved up through four while they were still theatrical. Yeah. Once they went straight to video, it became you know. just a free-for-all. A lot of, much like Amityville, only officially, mm. they would take scripts for other projects and find a way to rewrite them around Hellraiser, like yeah. shoehorn in proper, part of yeah. the property. Could they, like, can you imagine being in like a pitch meeting and like the uh, the the producers are listening to your pitch for the movie and then they look you, they lean in and ask you, could this character be Pinhead though? Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, sometimes. Yeah, it so worked. Sometimes it works. Yeah, and it's a lot of movies have been converted over to a franchise. Yeah. Uh, the f- honestly, the worst two Die Hard movies were written as Die Hards. Uh, which ones? Four and five. Ah, uh, because right, Simon says Die Hard through Simon. Simon says. Yeah, Simon says was three. Two was Fifty Eight Minutes, which is a completely unrelated novel from a different author. Hmm off of The Detective, which was the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, Die Hard 1, 2, and 3 were separate properties going into it that just got turned into John McClane stuff. Yeah. Um, John McClane is a lot easier to put into movies than Pinhead is. Although, yeah. actually, the, it would be fun if it's like somebody's pitching a Hellraiser movie and it's like, could the main character be John McClane? Ooh. <laughs> John McClane versus Pinhead, which that is not like, I mean, five is centered around a cop character running into Hellraiser shit. True, but I don't think it's John McClane. No, 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 horribly corrupt cop. Yeah, horribly corrupt cop. Um, John McClane is incorruptible and unstoppable. 
Yeah, it's not that easy. <laughs> I, oh, God, I remember getting so many dirty looks. And I, I get it. But on the way out of Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, my buddies and I were just, you know, heading out into the mall and just saying, like, I know the title is Die Hard. It's been Die Hard. But do they really think Sam Jackson can carry on the franchise? <laughs> and people started just screaming at us. <laughs> like... I didn't think that it was that believable of a joke, but they yeah, apparently people just <laughs> honestly thought that they killed Bruce Willis at the end of Die Hard 3. Oh, that would have been funny. Yeah. They had a... Um, well, that, that's like the... Uh, okay. It's gone to an ad, which I'm going to... is only going to last five seconds. Mm-hmm. Patrick is concerned that you guys won't be able to follow along. <laughs> um... We just want to make yeah, sure the timing stays mostly synced. Sure, sure. You think anybody's actually going to watch along with us? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, if you're on your drive to work, don't yeah. do that. Yeah, that that's would be a bad, bad call. That would but be like, so- if you're at the gym and you're listening and you want to, I guess you're already using your audio from the. I don't know how it would work, but yeah, if. <laughs> whatever you're doing, enjoy yourself. <laughs> No, that's like the old uh, that, that that old Simpsons joke when uh, Marge and Homer are coming out of Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. It's like, who would have thought that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be doing Hellraiser. We're not going to talk any more about Hellraiser right now because we're no, going to be talking about it for the episode. next. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it for the next eleven episodes. But be excited. Mm-hmm. The chains are coming. Yeah, we've talked about plenty of other fun franchises down the road. We've yes. heard some out. Um, I actually just today realized I knew there were a bunch, but there were apparently eleven, arguably in the Demoni series. Well, <laughs> argu- argu- arguably is the operative word. Exactly. I mean, Italian sequels are yeah. already sus in uh, official. Nature. Yeah, you want to talk about like repurposed things? It's just like yeah, we literally just slapped the title on onto it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, I have Demani one and two, which were officially Demani, were originally and officially Demani one and two. Yeah. But I also have a uh, Mihele Soave's uh, La Chiesa, which is billed as Demani three, mm-hmm. which is why I got it because it's like, oh, is this actually? Oh, this is nothing to do with anything. Oh, no, no, no. But it's great because yeah. Soave movies are awesome. Yeah, and like. I mean, Zombie was just on the dead with a new soundtrack and mm-hmm. recut, and then Zombie Two Zombie was an original two. movie, and then so in Italy it was Zombie Two, in America it's just Zombie. Right, <laughs> not at all confusing, not especially all. once they got to three and then. yeah. Plus, Dawn of the Dead is already the second in a series of <laughs> depending on which timelines you take, because. They don't technically fall into each other. There were six Romero ones. Yeah. But then there's the John Russo side where he was trying to get, like, Return of the Living Dead mm-hmm. as an air quote sequel to Night of Living Dead. And that's four of them in that series? Five. Uh, there are five Return of the Living Deads. Uh, I think I've ever seen the fifth one. Fifth one's good. Fifth one's fun because um, they convert the 245 trioxin into a pill because, like, the initial feeling is, like, it feels like you're dying. And so they start, like, selling them at a rave, and then people turn into zombies. It's called Return of the Living Dead, colon, uh, number five, colon, Rave to the Grave. Huh. 
I've yeah. definitely never seen that. Yeah. And it actually has like the return of the Tar Man. Like <gasps> I, I mean, so there's actually sequeling not, to it. Well, it's, it's like clearly not the original one because that one was taken out. But it's right. like there's yeah. a new Tar Man like floating okay. around that movie. There's some love for previous entries on like oh, God, some yeah. franchises. Well, yeah, like well, the first two Return of the Living Deads are pretty closely connected if only because Tom Matthews and James Karen pop up playing analogous characters and even referencing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, three sort of... Three references the can has the canisters and has the government stuff, so that is right. a connection. Yeah, yeah. Even though it veers into we're like Brian using a screaming mad George territory. And then mm-hmm. four and five do still have like the government people uh, fiddling around with the uh, the trioxin stuff. Mm-hmm. So they they're actually closer to connected than you would have thought. Alright. I I, I kind of got to go back and rewatch all those. I don't know if we want to do that for the show. It's only five episodes. It's only five, five episodes. episodes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we'll talk about it. And they're also, the last two were like sci-fi channel premieres. So there is also... Uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth one is definitely going for a Resident Evil vibe. Mm. And then what was hilarious is that half of the characters survive and come back for five and they almost to a man get killed like yeah. by the end of the uh, by the end of the fifth movie it's not like the uh, the bullshit in uh the beginning of alien three which is just like what was even the point yeah wow aliens. you just removed all stakes okay fuck that pisses me off and it has since the day i saw it initially it's like yeah i we just got through all of aliens we're into how many of the characters survive. Can't wait to see their new adventures. Yeah. And you've just told us, oh, anybody but Ripley doesn't care. Fuck any other character. They don't... Even if they survive this movie, they don't matter. Yep. So... Why should I give a shit about anything that happens in this movie? Yeah. Outside of what happens to Ripley. Right. And... At that point... I don't know. It just all ill, or sorry, all goodwill was gone. That's fair. Um, I really, I really don't like three. I don't mind three. We should before we continue. We should mention that our plan for the rest of this is just to talk about literally any movie we want. So be at the ready if you're worried about spoilers. Yeah, this just is just this is just kind of an open conversation. Yeah. Um, so <coughs> spoiler we're not going to we're not gonna try and be jerks about spoilers no, no, and no, stuff. No, no. But, but we'll, we'll be talking about movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alien 3, uh, I'm sort of ride or die Fincher, so I kind of like, if only, the look of it. And uh, I think he did the best he could with that script, but I yeah. hate that script so much. It's not I hate a, the concept yeah. of it. I hate the execution of it. And it, it was like, what, the 12th iteration of the Alien 3 script? Well, And not it, even the weirdest one? The weirdest ones are fun. The, the Wood Planet There's thing. the Wood Planet, uh, William Gibson. And had some fun stuff. He had two different I, scripts. I read one of them. Uh, like they, Dark Horse did an adaptation, a comic book adaptation right, of yeah. one of the scripts, and that was kind of funny. Yeah. Not funny, but I mean interesting. No, it was interesting. yeah, interesting. Um, one of them, like Ripley, is being haunted by the ghosts of everyone who passed, who may or may not have actually passed, but like. Ripley has a conversation has a conversation with Jonesy the cat. No, oh. yeah, like it got real trippy. 
Um, Jonesy was still on Earth, or where yeah, her Josie's apartment fine. was. That's the thing is, like, she's hallucinating, but yeah. but she was told at the beginning of the movie that she's not really Ripley. She's a clone of Ripley, and uh, she's got resident memories of Ripley. And so when she starts having these conversations with like Hicks and Newt and Jonesy, who she has been told are dead, yeah. As is the original Ripley, everybody died, and this is a clone. She loses all sense of self and decides to go on the mission because what does it matter? I'm just a clone. Who cares? And then finds out all of that was a lie and that Jonesy, Newt, Hicks are alive and she is Ripley and they couldn't clone her, so they convinced her she was a clone to go on the mission, which is... A that's, way of basically... That's so dumb. <laughs> it's smarter than just going ahead and killing them because you can get oh, yeah, the reaction no, and like, give her something worth fighting No, for. no, the clone thing is dumb. Like, yeah, like, but it was well, the 90s and people love clone shit. That's good. Point. I mean, Ben Riley Spider-Man. I like Ben Riley Spider-Man. Clones I were everywhere in the 90s. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, hell, uh, Alien Resurrection did actually have clones. Right, and that's the thing is... They took William Gibson's scripts and chunked out little pieces of them Mm. and put them into the movies without the actual structure they had to make them work with themselves. So, like, these self-contained ideas... They didn't, they didn't grow right in the other scripts. Yeah. They didn't connect right. That was actually... I was listening to the, um... The We Hate Movies review of uh, Halloween Ends, and I think they succinctly explained why I like the reasons why I have trouble with the movie. Okay. Which it's like they're two different writing group, they're two different scripts that they're kind of really trying to mash together, and the overall effect doesn't work. Like the movie should either be about um, the granddaughter and the young guy that gets, you know turns into the pariah or it should be about uh, Laurie finally defeating uh, Michael mm-hmm. but because it's so mish mishmashed together uh, the movie becomes weirdly paced and uneven and like things are paying off for other characters even though that's not their payoff sort gotcha. of thing yeah I mean, I still lean on that when being a giant metaphorical take, like the whole trilogy mm-hmm. of the Halloween series as a whole, with it basically covering <laughs> the Rob Zombie era into this modern trilogy and tying things back together. Of well, then they might be the the movie might be more of an indictment of the later movies than not. Oh, absolutely, it is. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff like. I mean, the young guy being a biker, Michael, um, mm-hmm. kind of the Michael. bad boy with mom issues, <laughs> Rob Zombie. Like, the, the young Michael clone in Halloween Ends is very much modeled after reinvent Michael as, you know, yeah. Rob Zombie style. And but then it again, pokes a lot of fun at those parts. True, but then at the same time, the granddaughter kind of becomes all of the female characters in 4, 5, and 6, and that they don't matter at all. Yeah, although that was also covered a lot in Halloween Kills. Um, I feel like that one's much mm. more 3 through 6. That's fair. Um, including ending with, uh, instead of Jamie Lloyd dying, but like the daughter of mm. Laurie Strode dying yeah, yeah, at yeah, the end yeah, of Kills yeah. versus 6 before no, you go fair. to the re- launch. That's fair. Um, 
just I don't think they stuck that landing with the third one. It's my least favorite of the of this trilogy, but I still was very satisfied overall. Oh, I like it. I did pick it up. It's like, well, yeah. if only because you can't have two and not three. Actually, I can because I was so happy. I finally tracked down two individual Blu-rays for Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, and thus Spider-Man 3 will never cross the threshold of my house ever. Yeah. Ever. It's weird to be pushing away a Sam Raimi movie like that, but it, yeah, uh, but it's not, not unless real. it sucks. It sucks out loud and is just terrible from start to finish. I mean, I don't even know if Sam Raimi would necessarily call it a Sam Raimi movie. He Based, probably wouldn't, but that's him trying to cop out. Well, it's him, like all the fights he had with the studio on everything. I appreciate that, but it's yeah. still your movie. It is still day. his movie. He still can't. was there making it. Uh, like unless you do the uh, the Alan Smithy thing, it's right. It's your movie, which he could have done the Alan. Well, he maybe he could have. Maybe. I wonder if he petitioned to have the Alan Smithy put on. No, no that would have been career suicide for him. He and that's the thing. You have to be very careful about using yeah. Alan Smithy, and there are certain things that can get in the way because David Lynch very very adamantly wanted Dune to be Alan Smithy. It is for the TV cut. The TV cut. But yeah. that, I think because mm-hmm. it had to be re-edited for television, he could remove his yeah. name. Yeah. But it was already picture locked for theatrical mm-hmm. when he wanted to have his name removed, even though he was not the one making those cuts. Yeah. It was... There, yeah. It's still interesting. I still love the David Lynch Dune movie. Oh, yeah. But I'd love to see his version of it. That would... I. It's weird that they haven't let him do that at this point. Uh, I don't. I don't think that he's motivated to. He's talked oh, about fair, curiosity on, on occasion, but for the most yeah. part, it's such a painful part of his life. Mm. Like the production of the movie was painful. The post production was painful. The year, like how it almost completely destroyed his career. <laughs> yeah. Painful. Everything about it. I can see not wanting to go anywhere totally. near it. Yeah, and, and actually, the the uh, Alien Three extended cut is listed as a producer's cut because Fincher actually did not come back to do a director's cut on the movie. Yeah, it's the producers that like the people that were fighting for Fincher's version. Yeah, uh, coming together and putting it together. And once I like I, I understood that it made that version make so much more sense because it's like there's a lot of redundant bits in this now, and mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. Yeah, like there's places he might have cut for. Pay- Pacing, mm-hmm. But also, if it was a director's cut, he would have been able to shoot the things he wanted. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think that's why some directors aren't coming back for air yeah. quote directors. Like, that's fair. Yeah. But thank God, like, Zack Snyder got $100 million to quote-unquote fix his Justice League movie. It is the much better version. I guess. In what sense? It makes more sense. A lot of the side characters have a chance to breathe. Uh, there's a lot of interesting world-building that never went anywhere because they killed the universe, but... That movie killed the... Zack Snyder killed the Zack Snyder universe. I still say... If any of his movies were hits, they would have done, they would have kept going. They made money. They made money. But that's nobody it. liked them. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> they made money, but that's... And almost invariably, you um, his director's cuts tend to be the better version of the movie. You might still not like them, but uh, at least I... Every time I've seen his extended version, I'm like, oh yeah, that does fill in things that were a problem. 
I mean, I like the extended versions of the Watchmen movie, mm-hmm. uh, even though he does not get the point of Watchmen. Um, I don't. I don't think I've ever. I think I've only ever watched the director's cut of Sucker Punch, and that's somehow like a more despicable movie than his Justice League movie. Uh, I, I like everybody. Everybody always says it's like the his version of the Justice League movie is the better version of that movie. I hold. I, I refuse. I reject the premise that there is a good version of that movie. Uh, but if the tone is so utterly miserable and self-hating how does that but that's make what it they better? left in the theatrical version his expanded version actually does have lighter moments and character stuff no, and sweetness they to it take, they actually take those parts out those no, are they in took the Joss out, Whedon part they took out the Joss Whedon bits that were light and campy and didn't match tone but there were moments of heart and levity Examples. put in I don't remember it was a four hour <laughs> movie that I saw a year and a half ago I just remember not feeling so miserable watching it. You have this scene. One of the things that they put that they added to the Zack Snyder cut is Ma, Kent, and Lois have this great heart to heart talk about surviving without this man that was central to their lives and that they cared so much about. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, at the end of the conversation, Ma Kent has uh, reinvigorated Lois. Then, yeah. like Lois is going to, you know, get back out there and you know be Lois Lane again, and you know life will go on. Ma Kent leaves the apartment and then morphs into the Martian Manhunter because it's not even fucking Ma Kent. What in God's name is the point of this movie? <laughs> Well, A, introduce Martian Manhunter. For fuck's sake. He could have done that at any point. He could have done that at any point in time. He could have done that at any point earlier and actually had Harry Lennox, who would be a great Martian Manhunter, do things. But I don't think Ma Kent necessarily would have made the trip at all. But why not just have her do it? I wasn't in the room when they were writing it. I know. It's fun. I wonder if we've talked more on this podcast about your hate for Zack Snyder or my hate for Quentin Tarantino. Definitely your hate for Quentin Tarantino. I get, I'm going to disagree. Well, you get and to go through all of them and chart we, yeah. them. Like, I went through and charted all the times we've meant we talked about Hellraiser. Fair. <laughs> I just think, in part, I let you go on about Zack Snyder. That's fair. You don't let me go on about Tarantino. Yes, I do. I just disagree very loudly afterwards. And during and at the front end. We're having a conversation. It'd be interesting for any super fans out there with a stopwatch to let us know oh, where we are on all this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, shop Miak. Don't, 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 don't. Say what the commercials are. No, they're authentic Hungarian Mia. It says Micmac. I should have worn my glasses. <laughs> we are at the 32 minute, 33 minute mark. If you're not at the 33 minute mark, adjust your play accordingly. You will know you're there because there is a man in a black t shirt sitting and reading a book. <laughs> And farting. And farting. Uh, I picked up the Blu-ray of Leatherface, colon, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Alternate ending. Oh. 
So, if you recall, uh, the girl and uh, Ken Forey end up fighting Leatherface in the swamp that right. Texas is known for. Yeah. And uh, they see they, they uh, seemingly overpower Leatherface and Ken Forey seems to get taken out in the action. The girl wanders to the road and uh, the pickup truck the the, the, right, truck, yeah. the pickup truck shows up and uh, she and the all of a sudden still alive Ken Forey with massive head wound Harry mm-hmm. Ken Forey have to fight him and then wrestle the truck away and they drive off and then Leatherface is staggering behind them at some point right. so in this version Ken Forey gets his head chopped in half like he is oh. like for real dead uh so it wasn't a last minute insert of him showing up. That was always there. It's just him getting killed at the end was the, because we had thought that the last minute like change would have been he died in the swamp and they found a way to shoehorn him in. Well, that is what it is because he dies in the swamp in the alternate ending. I, he dies in the the fight with Leatherface. I thought that. He, oh, okay. Never mind. I like in, in, in the version, I, the, yeah. Oh no, I was just describing the version as we saw it. Okay. This is the alternate. I, I thought he had gotten away in that one too. Never no, mind. no, he does. He gets. He's in the truck with her, and they drive away. Okay, I thought you said for real died in the truck. I'm sorry. No, I'm no. In this, so in the alternate ending, uh, Leatherface and Ken Forey fighting in the swamp, and Ken Forey for real dies. He like mm-hmm. like the that that's the, right. The there. chainsaw okay. really just makes a home inside his head. He sinks under. Um, uh, she runs away and Leatherface submerges into the water and as she's running away Vigo Mortensen is somehow still alive but just horrifically burned all over his body. It took me a second to figure out that that's who it had to be because everything is dark and his entire face is burned but he appears to be wearing the overalls still. Okay. And uh, so she wrestles him back and uh, trips one of the traps that are all throughout the forest that they put there and he he gets uh, impaled by like one of those swinging, like just a whoomp, gets gotcha. impaled on a tree. It's at this point that Leatherface emerges from the swamp. Unfortunately, not like Jaws in that last Texas Chainsaw movie where oh, he God, just, yeah. just comes out like a porpoise. Yeah. Um, or even like in uh, young Jason Voorhees kind of launch. Exactly. And um, this. <laughs> The collective noun for a group of ferrets is a business. Yeah. A lot of these factoids have been fun, and not all of them have been Amityville, so if you are reading them at home, uh, hope you're enjoying them like we are. A business of ferrets. That is nice. So, uh... The girl kill like kills Le- uh, or bashes Leatherface's head in again. If you recall, it's like cause she's now doing what she couldn't do with the armadillo. Right, it's right, like right, sorry, right. little yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. And then she sings the she instead of reciting the now I lay me down to seek prayer, she just sings it, which was to I don't know okay. I couldn't remember, recognize the tune immediately. Uh, then she she makes her way to the road. And a police car uh, pulls up from behind her. And uh, she starts waving it down. And then it just keeps driving past her. And so she starts running in the street to try to catch up to it. And then it stops. And uh, we never see the driver. But from the back seat, the little girl from the family pops up. 
and like starts playing with her little dead bone doll thingy and just laughing at her. Kind of not unlike uh, like uh, Sally Hardesty, just kind of just like <laughs> at the end. Uh, our girl looks at the uh, like the camera pans over the back of the um, the police car and there's like a dare bumper sticker but there's also a don't mess with Texas bumper sticker and then our girl the, the, the police car drives away and our girl just like drops to her knees and starts laughing hysterically and then it cuts okay it's a decent like that would have been a decent way to end the movie as well yeah but I was very, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see alternate ending. I have the uh, Texas Chainsaw Next Generation, which purports to have a director's cut, but I don't, but I haven't had a chance to watch the director's gotcha. cut. Gotcha. If you want to save it, we can do it as a bonus app. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned before. We have 11 we... Hellraisers to do, and by that point, there will be 12 new Amityvilles. Probably, but I'm just saying it's something we can throw in there. Like, when you get around to it, the way I've got at least my file uh, system set up, and I'm trying to keep it in the podcast feed this way, is anything that's just a number is Amityville. So when we get to 99, well, I guess we'll do 101, but Texas Chainsaw is A, 01, 02, 03, 04. So we can add to that's. That whole season. Hellraiser will be B. Each franchise will get the next number so that if you sort our podcast feed numerically, the seasons and each franchise will be broken down into itself, or you can just sort it chronologically as we've recorded them, because I can get OCD about my collector nature, and for me to even honestly just track the files... um, we can add episodes to any air quote season of this show at any point. You know we can't cut this out, right? Right. I'm letting the people <laughs> at home know that there are these easy ways oh my to God. sort your feed. <laughs> I'm amazed we still have listeners. <laughs> I mean, you know the gag is that we're just going. We're not doing cuts on this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that this was handy information for people who are listening to have. Somebody just wants to hear every Texas Chainsaw episode we have ever done. You just sort by A, and there they all are. <laughs> can you do that on Spotify? Um, well, I don't know about Spotify, but a lot of podcatchers you can. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, we're on uh, we're on Podbean, we're on iTunes Music, or whatever they're calling it now. We're on. Um, Doesn't have a different name. Hmm. Oh, we're halfway through the movie. Good Yay! for us. But yeah, uh, no, I've got it built. He so is trucking through this book. Yeah. If he's actually reading. Well, it's, I assume he's actually reading. Yeah. So what the hell else? Would, why would he be doing? That? Why would he be pantomiming? Yeah. And it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to finish the book in the entire hour and a half, but. Do you want to complain about Quentin Tarantino and I will sit and listen and then comment afterwards? I honestly feel like I've gotten most of it out over the time. See, that's what I thought. Yeah, but it's it's been in fits and starts. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like I talk like Zack and Snyder comes up every single time. For, you think I bring him up on every episode? No, I don't think about every episode. <laughs> I'm just saying we might let's go ahead and just Let's leave both of them out of the entire Hellraiser season. 
Let's see if, as a challenge to ourselves, if we can avoid right. mentioning either of them for the entire season. I'm just trying to, like, uh, I'm mentally going through, I just want to make sure that, like, there's no legit reason why we would bring them up. You know? Because I don't think either of them were ever even tangentially involved. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're and I don't safe. think either of them have homaged the Hellraiser. Yeah. So, yeah, we're probably, we're probably okay. I don't think they're even... They're actors that, yeah. that I can think of. But if it comes up, we just won't talk about Judy. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Judy. So just don't even ask. Yeah. Um, seen any good horror movies lately? <laughs> I did. Ooh, um, I saw, uh, as of this recording, uh, the most recent one I saw was Infinity Pool. Oh, is that good? It's really good. It's actually good. horror. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not just like weirdo sci-fi. Um, it is that, too. It's... I, I would this say Possessor. Son of Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Cronenberg. Did you see Possessor? I have not. Okay, that's another one that is... It is horror, mm. and it is high heady sci-fi, both yeah. of them. Like, I kind of put Brandon Cronenberg in this middle space between his father mm. and Alex Garland. Okay. Of really big ideas yeah. um, but instead of it being about how the sci-fi works it's about the effect on our humanity cool and like Garland definitely does spend a little more time on the how and why and what that's his cat oh, that's a cutie kitty cat it is um, like Garland wants to make sure that the clock ticks the right way before he explores it. Yeah. And then makes sure that that's factored in, even though he doesn't always show you how the sausage is made. Yeah. Whereas uh, Brandon Cronenberg, the premise is something revealed enough to the characters that they're never given the hows and what's. They're not given midichlorians, as the Lost Writers put it. Mm. Um, Jesus. That was... They were, I, I'm, I'm not jumping. We're not going to go down that room. Right. But that's... It yeah. was it was a safe word in the writer's room. Yeah. Don't over-explain it. Let's just say the island works and move on. Unobtainium. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, but with it, like, with both of these movies, there is the big sci-fi premise, and you just accept it and move forward because that's the world you're in. Yeah. And then how does this thing completely... In- utterly mess up the minds of the characters involved. I did see Annihilation for the first time recently. Oh, that was so good. That was a good time. So good. Uh, which is a weird one for Garland because that was based on somebody else's work. That's the first uh, adaptation he has done. Uh, Most of his stuff has been his own, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now the um, Possessor yeah, so and Infinity that. Pool are both very messed up. Yeah. Um, I've only, yeah, I've only ever seen. I saw antiviral, which is decidedly not horror. Got like, like it's it's definitely sci-fi, and there's creepy moments, there's mm-hmm. gross-out moments, but I, I wouldn't categorize that one as horror. That's just why I was asking. Yeah, both but, of these I would call deeply unsettling ooh. in the most in the most engaging way. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm I a big fan. My phone was buzzing, but he was farting again. Uh, okay, now that one I thought was my phone, but right. my buzz, my uh, <laughs> my phone's a little bit older, so it vibrates hard. <laughs> um, like my ass. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, the 
the old one cheek sneak. <laughs> but yeah, um, Infinity Pool is solid, and Mia Goth just continues to be a force mm-hmm. in modern horror. You are becoming quite the uh, the fan of the Mia Goth. I it's, I mean three for three for me. So uh, I, I'm not arguing. I'm yeah, just, I'm noting. Yeah, and Maxine's hopefully soon. I think like. March or summer? Maybe? Oh, okay. Whenever it or comes. I don't know. Whenever I, I, I don't know when it is. Yeah. You think Maxine has a Super Bowl ad? We're recording this on the day of the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're standing There's right some now. Zork instructions on the screen now. Huh. Which, what is Zork? Oh, uh, it's an old text-based uh, PC game. Ah. Sorry, I'm not a nerd. Yeah. Trust you and the Green Ranger helmet across the room from you, underneath the Unicron and the Mega Man painting. Yeah, I'm sorry, but like, Zork is too nerdy a video game thing, but the Mega Man painting. Dude, it's. My brother got me that. It's so good because it's like a family portrait as if, like, they're uh, a uh, royal family. It's a Dr. Light, uh, Rock, Roll, Rush, and there's a uh, painting in the background of uh, Blues. Nice. That's yeah. that's proto man to you and me, Russ. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so there is. If anyone wants to go back and play old text-based adventures, somebody turned me on recently to Frotz F R O T Z, which is an app you can get PC, phone, all that kind of stuff that contains a bunch of the old like text-based adventure games. Like, and like, Zork was like one of the champions of it. Right. Um, there was. God, I don't even know how many they wound up making. I played the first three, I didn't want to say. But yeah, like, it was before we had, you know, graphics cards or <laughs> internal memory on computers. Uh, load star, comma, eight, comma, one kind of shit. But oh, God. I, I grew up on computers. I, I, I can hear the uh, the disk drive chugging, <laughs> chugging away. Yeah, clunking. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I honestly sometimes will watch old Space Ghost Coast to Coast episodes. Mm-hmm. One, because they're still hysterical. Yes. And two, because when I hear the Dalton handshake at the end, <laughs> it actually helps me go to sleep. That's right. Like, I'll, I'll finish the episode, I'll hear that, puts me in a soothing spot, and then I can just... Like, that's like a sound gag in The Matrix that younger people will not understand. Like, when Neo uh, goes through the mirror and actually wakes up in the real world, part of the noises that are being made is the is the modem noise mm-hmm. as he's, like, getting enveloped in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Ah, the Matrix. Good stuff. They sh- honestly, they should have done a text-based adventure for The Matrix as a promo when it came out, especially considering HTML at the time. Well, yeah, and the, like the the pushing the the old DOS. Like God, even by by that point, the DOS prompt was so outdated that it was weird just and retro. outdated. Um, Windows ninety eight was the first Windows that wasn't a shell. If I'm not mistaken, oh, it was ninety five. Yeah, ninety five was. Yeah, but I thought that. I know three point one was a DOS shell. I thought that ninety five was a very elaborate DOS shell, and then ninety eight so. was the first. No, it was before that. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll trust you on that. But 
I just know that like DOS was not that old, not that far removed, and people could still do dual boots, and people were still running a lot of DOS machines because ninety Windows ninety eight didn't start out or end so good. It was pretty much broken the whole ride. You say, Unlike you, you say, any other Windows operating. <laughs> Sorry. Now you you say people. Do you mean nerds? <laughs> I, I, I do, Mister <laughs> Millennium Falcon, pointing at Unicron. Well, I mean, he's got to. Somebody's got to stop Unicron. He's going to eat the planet. You really think it's going to be the Aluminum Falcon? What the hell's an Aluminum Falcon? <laughs> Who are they? Also, isn't Unicron sort of just kind of sticking out of the earth in random places like the giant god in the end of the Eternals? Like, what is with these franchises just leaving giants sticking out of part of the earth as a a never-touched cliffhanger? Yeah, that hasn't been picked up in any of the Marvel movies. It really hasn't. um, At the end of Transformers... Five. five, the last night. I was trying to remember the subtitle. Uh, yeah, Unicron is growing out of the earth, uh, but mercifully, the Knockwood, the Michael Bay uh, version of the Transformers movies are over. I think that cliffhanger is what killed it. I think they're like, how do we pick it up from there? Well, I guess Unicron has to. No, literally anything that Unicron does destroys the earth at this point. Yeah. We need to start over because you just completely ruined the world. I think you're giving the Michael Bay movies a lot more credit for uh, oh, let's not. continuity. <laughs> I'm just saying, not giving they could just completely ignore it and say, like, oh, what, Uni, Uni who? What the hell, Unicycle? What the hell are you even talking about? That's I Michael know, Bay. I just would expect okay. some, I would expect better storytelling from the franchise that gave us a movie promising dinosaur robots. They were dinosaur and robots. there were in the last five minutes. They ran out of the forest, punched some people, and ran away. Yeah. Fuck you, movie. <laughs> Optimus rides one of them with a sword and everything. I'm sorry. That <laughs> trick did not work in Smokey and the Bandit 3, and it didn't work here. Is that the elephants? Yeah, which, uh, where it's uh, the Smokey is the bandit, and him and his son are hired by Big and Little Enos. So I think I, I haven't seen that. Or no, the elephants is two. That's the one. Uh, that's the still Burt Reynolds. Three. They even put in the ads that Burt Reynolds was in it. Mm-hmm. Literally, Burt Reynolds' part in the movie is. Jackie Gleason turns around at one point, looks, and sees the bandit in the Trans Am, and Burt Reynolds turns around, looks over, and smiles at him. And that's in the trailer. And then when you see the movie, it then ripples, and it's actually Jerry Reed in the Trans Am, and he's like, oh, dang it, I didn't get him, at the end of the movie. So the cameo that they promised you the whole time that Burt Reynolds is going to be in this movie Mm -hmm. is just a quick fake out. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Transformers, Dinosaurs, the Bandit did. I mean, uh, this is going to sound, might sound disingenuous or that I'm lying, but it is difficult for me to uh, defend the last two Michael Bay uh, Transformers movies, but... The dinosaur—it's like the full last half hour of the movie. The dinosaurs are wall to wall in it. 
the movie is two yeah. and a half hours long, so it might feel like there's so, there is so much more movie without them. Yeah. But they are in there for like a half hour, yeah. and they're they're really destroying everything. I'm just saying that's the that's the kind of thing that gets the Annie Wilkes out of me. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get out of the cockadoodie car. Oh no, you're he, right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There could have been more. Mm-hmm. You promised us this. You told us your movie was this. And you, 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 you didn't. Or you barely did. Well, they're, they're, these are barely movies with transforming robots in them. Let's this is also honest. true. So, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Amityville Transformers. What do we do with that? Oh, it's got to be possessed items, but are the possessed items... No. No. No? You're... I'm so disappointed in you. The house transforms into a robot and starts murdering everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that you're, like, you're thinking so you're only, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally here, buddy. I thought I was because you've got possessed items yeah. are the Decepticons, but all of the possessed cars are Autobots because we know that the house possesses the cars. But wouldn't they be Decepticons that, as well? If the house is possessing them? Well, that's the thing is there's two separate types of possessions going on, the found items and the cars because why not? And the house is the fucking ark. The house is what landed on Earth. Or the nemesis. Or the, okay, we can do that too. The nemesis is the Decepticon show. In some continuities. I mean, the G1 one. I could have sworn, uh, well, original Marvel continuity that there were Decepticons on the Ark. And they, they were having the battle when they crashed on Earth and well, all yeah. of them were knocked out. Because Shockwave was the first one woken up by the Ark and sent out in prehistoric times and then the Dinobots were sent out to retrieve to battle Shockwave all of them got dumped in the tar pit and that's that's why Shockwave didn't look like a modern gun he was still original Transformer like Cybertron style Transformer then the go, yeah. Then the robots. I, 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 I will confess, I'm not as well versed in the Marvel Comics continuity. Gotcha. That's what I was going the, off uh, of. The, um, the cartoon. In the cartoon, uh, the gotcha. two both. There are Decepticons on the Ark because the Decepticons traveling on the Nemesis board the Ark, but both ships do end up on Earth. Gotcha. And and the Marvel ones, as long as I'm remembering it right, but it has been a few years. Mm-hmm. They were battling on it, and the Ark. Its memory banks were damaged enough that it didn't know the difference between Autobot and Decepticon. Mm. It didn't know, just wake up the good guys. So it just did a repair on everybody. And then... Yeah, in the cartoon, the the Ark uh, fixes Thundercracker first, if I'm recalling correctly. And then he drags in the other Decepticons into the fix-em-up light. And then as they're leaving, Starscream tries to cause a cave-in at the opening of the uh, the cave, the ark, and uh, that knocks one of the Autobots into the path of the uh, fix-em-up light, and then, you know, the Autobots start waking up again. Gotcha. But, uh, no. but, then, uh, but then they find the nemesis, I believe, is underwater uh, later. <laughs> but yeah, you could do either one. Either way, it'd be fun to actually have uh, the Transformer, the Ectotron, the oh, Ecto-1 yeah. Transformer. I saw that new Ghostbusters movie You don't sound like you liked it It's terrible I disagree I know And that makes me worry about you (laughs) 
It was just... We don't agree on everything, as evidenced by almost everything we talk about. I know, but I was watching it, and I'm like, it's... There's homaging, there's pandering, and then there's this movie that, honest to God, has no new ideas whatsoever, to the point that Carrie Coon just just magically is in Dana Barrett's Zool outfit again for some reason. I was screaming at the television set. Huh. I liked it. I know you did. That's why I've hesitated bringing it up. I watched it months ago, and yeah. I'm just like, I can't bring this up to Patrick because no. we're just going to end up punching each other. No. Yeah, we don't have to like the same things. This is true. But no, I'm just... I. <laughs> It was a warm fuzzy for me. Fair enough. I know it's not a perfect film. I know that it it was it, it cribs whole swaths of dialogue from the original film. So did part two. I don't think part two is a good movie either. <laughs> I think every Ghostbuster movie pretty much follows the exact same plot, the exact same yeah. structure, and to varying degrees of success. But none of them will be the original. But I enjoy all four of them. Ray has the exact same speech again. It's like it's like I, I remember I, I did one triple feature where it's like uh, you had twenty plus years to make a sequel and you just did a remake of the original movie and it, just, it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I haven't been having a lot of luck lately. Like I, I watched the Black Phone. And that was okay. It wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I saw Skinamarink. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. I think... I, I, I mean, it's an interesting first, like, student film sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, it does create a very distinct mood, but there's no investment in any of the things happening in it, and it goes on for, like, two hours. Oh, boy. It's like, it would, like, pro tip... You're gonna. Your audience is gonna care more about the characters if they ever actually see them. Usually, yeah. Like seeing their feet walking across the floor, mm-hmm. and then hearing them talk in short clipped sentences sporadically doesn't really. Okay, and I guess they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought you were just gonna outright hate it, from what I've heard. I mean, I do, I do, but I give it credit for it's a first film, and it is a very effective in creating a mood. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, me personally, I hate it. But you know. Okay. Maybe he'll come up with something better later. Yeah. There's something. Maybe now that he's established what he can do with look, tone, and style, that like somebody else might have a script that they can put him on. What one hopes? Yeah. But then again, if he might go down the same route as that. Um, was it Gareth Evans, the guy that did Monsters and then Star Wars Rogue One? Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Gareth, Gareth Edwards. Okay. Yeah. Gareth Evans is the raid guy. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Which, yeah. Uh, big fan of the raid. Yeah. But uh, no, I saw Monsters and it was like, you know, for a low budget movie, this is very effective, this is clever. Somehow, Scoop McNeary is all, all, he's rubbing up against likability in the movie, which is tough because that guy, he just rubs me in the wrong way. Um, Certain, I'm, I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life, but just the characters yeah, but, he plays and his on-screen persona is just mm-hmm. like, uh, could you just not? 
Fair. be anywhere. But so when he got when uh, they announced that the monsters guy was doing Godzilla, it's like man, look at what he did with nothing with no money. Now he's got like a big budget Godzilla movie. Oh, he just remade monsters, but with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Great. Why, why would we want to see Godzilla fighting the monster in the movie? When we could have Aaron Taylor Johnson Forrest gumping his way. Oh, that was a squeaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder like how much of it was that was his pitch of, well, why don't I just do this because that's what I was going for, and how much it was the studio going, can you just do that for us? Man. But what if we, no, just do that. Because like didn't he also did Rogue One, right? Yeah. And Rogue One is not that same plot again, well, so he has yeah. other ideas and other people wrote it. I was about to say one other people Tony Gilroy wrote it yeah and two I think Tony Gilroy came in and you know like like reshot or recut half of the movie as well okay gotcha which would make sense when you look at uh, Andor which I know you're not going to bother with no I know I liked it a lot of people like it yeah and I'm glad you liked it I'm glad you like. There are more Ghostbusters movies for you to like. True. Yeah, that's the thing. I'll never fault somebody for liking something I don't like because you got joy out of the time spent. <laughs> yeah. And it bums me out when I watch something I don't like because <clears throat> one, it's time I could have spent watching something else, mm-hmm. and I really legitimately do want to enjoy the media I take in. Sure. I, I think you apologize for the people that make things more than I do. I, I tend to. Like I absolutely you, tend like to. Like, you definitely are going... Or you, you are giving a lot more credit to the movie that you know... That you think that they wanted to make. And you see in your head more where I'm more... This is the movie that's there. Yeah. And this like, is what it did or what it didn't do. It's the difference between... When I like, I remember like once I was in like you know AP math classes and brag. <laughs> I was good at math. <laughs> what am I doing with it? What am I doing with it? Ma- I, I've got ma- a file structure. You're for making episodes. these very complicated Excel uh, like uh, Excel sheets and uh, directories for the for what fifty episodes. <laughs> and I have fun doing it. I'm glad you have fun doing it. But um. Yeah, it was, like, there would be, once you got to a certain level of, you know, questions, it was show your work. Yeah. To, like, you know, on, like, polar graphs and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. And even if you got the wrong answer, but you showed that you went through the right process until something broke down, Mm -hmm. you could get credit for the process. Yeah. And I appreciate that, whereas if I could just jot down the number and do it in my head a different way... I wouldn't get the credit and there are cheat codes to making a fast and entertaining movie or show um, one of the big things that I've definitely become allergic to over the years is and I know with your opinions of Ghostbusters it's going to be hard to believe this but just arbitrary nostalgia bomb for fuck's but sake I think for fuck's sake Patrick I'm going to say arbitrary <laughs> because like Ghostbusters I felt like I love Ghostbusters this is echoing the original for me that works whereas it's repeating it what I hate is stuff like Family Guy and Ready Player One <gasps> where they're just naming shit they're not they don't own any of it they're not connected to any of it they're just naming shit you like and saying hey audience we're friends because we both like this and but, I, but that's just a question of pedigree. Yeah, like you're giving. You, wait, you're giving Ghostbusters Afterlife 
half of the script, and I'm being generous here, half of the script of that movie are direct lifts of whole dialogue from the first movie. But you're going to give that one a pass versus the other two things, which don't get me wrong or flawed, because Jason Reitman wrote, quote, wrote and made it? No, I'm saying that it's attached to the property it's referencing. Whereas Ready Player One is just pulling shit off the shelf and throwing it at you. Well, I I have not... I've read the first chapter of Ready Player One and didn't want to read a YA novel, and I have not seen the film. But from what I understand, from what I understand, it is celebrating pop culture much in the way we do this online like say on Tumblr Ah, or Instagram and that's okay I think that's where the breakdown is that's what it's presented as and that's Mm -hmm. what uh, it's a lot of people see it as honestly Mm -hmm. and the book does do much better at that it's I don't necessarily think it's a great book but I thought it did celebrate pop culture and it was an investment in the concept the whole idea is that this giant fortune can be won if you can solve these pop culture riddles based on the guy whose fortune it was his childhood. Yeah. And so he incorporates these things into elaborate games and scenes. The movie pretty much jettisons that. It's just he built a pop culture world and you have to find things luckily in that. Mm-hmm. So any of the stuff of knowing the pop culture and understanding the themes behind it and the history behind this game and how it ties to that and like the detective work, the National Treasure type thing or the Langdon mystery, all that's gone. It's just like in the book, the first thing that you're supposed to find towards the treasure is the very first Easter egg in the very first video game, which was Adventure for the Atari 2600. Mm-hmm. And you had to know what an Easter egg is, and it connects to the game, and it connects to the challenge of the puzzle. That makes sense. In the movie, it's the first person who can figure out how to win this massive Mario Kart-style race, which is... What? And it doesn't make any sense, and the solution to that problem has nothing to do with pop culture. It's just, here's a pile of pop culture, and underneath of it is just a quick fix action sequence. It is a visual medium. It is, but the second challenge in it Mm -hmm. is to go find the Easter egg from Adventure, which they just tell you outright. There's no solving that. They take the thing that was a puzzle in the book Mm -hmm. and completely depuzzle it and just say, this is the next thing on your checklist. It takes all of that joy and nostalgia out of it and disconnects from it. Then it has sequences where there's like a grand battle royale and you have people like Freddy and Chucky in the army of the pop culture characters, good guys and bad guys, on this battle, I'm like, you don't really get Freddy or Chucky. They wouldn't be a part of this situation. You're just putting things together because it looks neat and with no thought or concern about the actual nostalgia for any of these things or how they work, you're just vomiting reference onto the screen and you don't care about any of this stuff, but you assume the audience is going to projects their own nostalgia onto this hollow piece of crap. Yeah. So that that's what I hate about those things, and that's what I hate about, like, Family Guy will just, oh, do you remember that time we reenacted a scene from Back to the Future? And then they just cut to reenacting yeah. a scene, and then they cut back. I'm like, oh, yeah. you well, earned that- nothing. You, you created nothing. You're connected to nothing. Mm-hmm. That kind of hollow, I despise. And yet the Lego movie... Uh, 
Um, there was first off, there was a story underneath. There is a story underneath. And that's I, but, that's first and foremost. There okay. is no story underneath Ready Player One, the movie, or usually Family Guy. You don't need any of the pop culture characters in Lego, the Lego Movie, to tell the story though. Right, and it works without the pop culture references. <laughs> And a lot of them are gratuitous, but a lot of them are at least tied to the heart of. No, they're not. A lot of them are. Not. I'm not saying universally, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like they were much better about it than Fair. the others. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's that's mm-hmm. yeah. That's just what I got there. <laughs> <coughs> so. Just to get to the heart of the matter. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I know there are people who love Ready Player One. And don't let it get under their skin like I do, but... I don't think that's not getting a sequel, though, is it? At the book point. had a sequel. Oh, the book, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, but the book I don't think, with the movie, I don't think... I don't think you're going to get a sequel for the movie, in part because there's no way you're getting Spielberg back for it. Yeah. He only signed on to the first one because he had a gap in the schedule, I think. <laughs> he was a last-minute replacement. There was I forget who it was before him. But Gareth Edwards, probably. <laughs> but yeah, he stepped on. And Gareth I actually, Edwards wanted to take all of the uh, the internet out of it, or the the, the fake world out of it. Gotcha. He just wanted the trailer park stacks. Yeah, which would have been fun. Honestly, there's an interesting movie in there. I guess it's but, definitely not starring Ty Sheridan though. Yeah. But um, are, are, we, are we like if we 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 now that we've got like that Barry Keough guy, we're, we're done with Ty Sheridan now, right? <laughs> neither one of them. Neither one of them for me. Have you seen Banshees of Inisherin? I did, and he bugged really? me just as much as he always does. This was like the first time I started to warm to him a bit. Uh, I'm still, I, I, I still feel you though, because yeah. he's there's he, just something about him I don't like. He just pulls me out of every movie because he has the same kind of. You're not sure you're in a movie, are you? Performance. I mean, technically, he doesn't. Like, he's not a trained actor. Yeah, but it's it's. Yeah, uh, he, he just he absolutely pulls me out of scenes. That's fair. Yeah. That movie, Banshees of Inisherin, was really. Oh, good it's great! Yeah, I love okay. it. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. That's honestly my one note is he just pulls me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Spielberg on Ready Player One was brought in, and I remember seeing an interview with him where, like, so this must be really cool. Like, you know, you're one of like you know the creators of so many iconic things from the '80s, and now you get to do this movie that's all about the nostalgia. He's like, well, yeah, that's I'm the guy not that's personal. not going to care about that. No, he's just like, yeah, I made the things. I'm not nostalgic about them. I'm proud of the things I made, but we actually left a lot of those in there, so it wouldn't seem gratuitous. They were integral to the book. Mm. In some cases, I get the feeling he pulled them more because he understood how hollow the references were and didn't want it on his babies. That's right. But he said flat out, he's like, I'm not nostalgic about any of this stuff. Honestly, a lot of this stuff, I don't even know what it is. The production team, they're the ones picking and choosing what goes in there and where. Mm. And then the VFX people and the animation people. So really, honestly, after the script was done, I I just kind of check in and make sure the movie's coming along. I'm like... Cool, yeah. but that's not directing. No, you are your producer, letting everybody else make this movie with your name on it. Well, and yeah. I don't know. It was just off-putting. Well, with the amount of like, with how much special effects have really taken over all of these uh, 
bigger budget movies, do they really even ha- need directors versus just yes. managers? Yes. No, I'm not saying they're not made better by them. Yeah. But can they don't. I think you can. I will say you skate, can make them without a director. You can skate by without like a real director right. like focusing on these things and just like uh, have somebody making sure, okay, you got this, we, we got the connective tissue to this special effects gag to this special effects right. gag. Right. And like, okay, the screenplay, everyone likes the screenplay, cool, um, you guys start, everybody work on your part. It like, you could Muppet show the thing together where everybody yeah. kind of like pulls resources and makes this thing. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like that's how Ready Player One was made. Fair. Overall, not 100%, but I feel like that's... An easy film to miss for completionists is The Dawn. Oh, that's the one you missed. This is the one like, about. yeah, on this reviews. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys, to interrupt our stimulating debate and go back to the gas chamber. But yeah, I, I was watching his reviews and he insists that The Dawn, which does not have Amityville anywhere near the top, and hadn't shown up on any of the lists we had seen so far. No. And we tend to vet. And now we want to, I want to punch him in the face. Just once. You know, not not to really like. Because he gave us another Amityville. Yeah. Like in addition to the one he's made up that we're watching right now. And we're not doing the Dawn next week. We're going to start Hellraiser, but the Dawn will probably launch our next wave. Well, I want to like. Not in a spoilery way, but I want to like really double check what this is because. Well, it was interesting. We watched does, less connected ones. I know, but they did have the. Uh, uh, Got to enter the numbers. Um, uh, the lost numbers. Yeah. Uh, I, oh. Four, eighteen, fifteen. Four, eight, 30, fifteen, sixteen. Thirty-two. 30, no, thirty-six, forty-two. Right. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah. Four, eight, fifteen, twenty-three. Thirty-six, forty-two. I think so. So I know forty-two definitely because Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide. Yeah. Eight, fifteen was the Oceanic numbers. Yeah. Twenty-three, 23 being 20. the Illuminati thingy. Yeah. Four. He's a jolly good fellow. I'm trying to fill <laughs> time here. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. 1516. Okay. Yeah. I said yeah. your numbers, maybe not in the right order, but I said them. <laughs> yeah. This is, of course, made famous from the Hanzo Corporation. Mm hmm. Never letting you live that down. Hattori Hanzo, the this, head of the Dharma Initiative. Sort of fucking God. What? The Hanzo Corporation. The Hanzo Corporation. You, wait, did you mean the Dharma Initiative? Yes, but, you know, the Hanzo Corporation is the money behind the Dharma Initiative. It was! Fucking nerd. <laughs> Look, we're not getting into details about like demand from Tallahassee or Penny's boat or any of that kind of stuff. I know, stuff. but like nobody would know what you were talking about. Because you're calling it the Hanzo Corporation. And it's the Dharma like and yes, they're related to the Dharma Initiative, but it's the Dharma Initiative. I was specifying where the supplies were coming from, which is the financial side. The Dharma Initiative was being supported by it, I feel like, for the sense of accuracy in our statements, because we pride ourselves on service and detail. We're correct about all the things we spout out on this podcast and never, ever get things wrong. It's a business of ferrets. Aw, thank you. He's apparently run out of trivia. And so now... Or at least it's just, you know, got ferrets for us. I mean, we were told about the business of ferrets at the beginning of this. Yes. So I'd say, let's just 
all agree we can say, let's get down to ferrets from here on out. Let's get down to ferrets. Maybe it's that's a cuter wonder, way to. I wonder if that's where like the verb ferreting out comes from. Because it's, business. it's business time. It's business time. Yeah. You can tell it's business time. Because I'm down in my socks. That's why they call them business socks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shake it, shake it. I'll shake it, shake it. <laughs> You're wearing that old t-shirt you got. You're wearing that t-shirt you got from the retreat from your old work. That's never looked better on you. <laughs> you say something like, is that it? I know what you're saying, baby. That's it. <laughs> oh, I found out, uh, speaking of international comedy, um, Garth Marenghi nope. put a... a Garth Marenghi's Dark Place okay. is something you should watch. Got it. Uh, I don't know how much of a fan you are of like Richard Ayoade and yeah. Matt Berry and all. So Ayoade co-wrote it with... I'm blanking on the guy's name, but Garth Marenghi is a very Dean Koontz, Stephen King-esque author mm-hmm. uh, who's proud to claim that he has written more books than he's read. <laughs> uh, so he... The, the six-episode series is basically the Lost Tapes re-airing of the show that they made back in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's Matt Berry, Ayawade, and, you know, Ryan Athacast with, again, I'm blanking on their names. It's a very, like, Kingdom Hospital-type show. Mm-hmm. Um, no budget, Boom mics in the shot, stilted yes. acting, all yes. of your favorite like bad movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's hysterical. Alright. So they did that show, and then I just found out that they published a book of Garth Marenghi's short stories. It's I think three novellas. Okay. And I read the introduction that's already been hysterical enough, but I just got it this week, so I'm gonna probably sit down this week and finish it. Cool. And then I, in checking to see what else there was, found out that they did a spinoff series of Richard Iwate's character, or one of his characters from that, mm-hmm. um, like a couple years later, that's a talk show where he's basically a, the book publisher from that, but interviewing six different guests who are all played by the guy who played Garth Marenghi, and all six of them are just clients of his because those are the only guests he could get. <laughs> and it's Iowate, so I'm in. Fair enough. Yeah. I finished up, uh, I finally watched the Guillermo del Toro Cabinet of Curiosities. Ah, oh, fuck, I need to jump in on that. I keep yeah, forgetting. Uh, oh, that was okay. a long one. Yeah, that one sounded like a toy plane taking off. Yes, it did. Do we know who is in this picture behind him? I don't. Yeah. It looks... I don't know. It sort of looks like a velvet painting of Brando, maybe. Mm, could be. Or again, I don't got my glasses. Yeah, he's a lot craggier. Yeah. Eh, doesn't matter. Uh, they go in increasing order of quality. Uh, so it's one of those few times where I will say, 
If you don't like the first episode, stick with it because they literally do get better. Although me and my buddy Ed uh, disagree on the the peak. He thinks the last episode is the best episode. He has not seen the Babadook, which uh, the last episode is co-written and directed by the woman that did the Babadook and is starring the girl, the woman from the Babadook and features a lot of thematic uh, thematically related. Uh, concepts like grief over the death of a family member. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, whereas I think the high watermark was episode seven, the viewing, directed by and co-written by Panos Cosmatos of Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy fame. Okay, gotcha, and gotcha. Star. It, it takes place in '79, and it's uh, has Peter Weller. As this reclusive billionaire named uh, uh, Lionel Lannister, and the way he plays it, the way he's written and the way he plays him, my head canon is this is Buckaroo Banzai at whatever age Peter Weller physically is right now. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> I will check that out. You know you're in for a good time when the first subtitle uh, after the uh, the theme song is unsettling synth music. Like, nice. Yes. 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 That or ominous wishing. Oh, big fan oh, of ominous done? wishing. He's done. That's it. Yep. Wow. Hashtag I survived Amityville gas chamber. Michael, Michael Stone. Stone. That is the name of the rotted reviews guy. Michael Stone. Well, thank you, Michael. And we've got, oh, we've got, we've got to do the credits count. We've got Amityville credits. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten. Oh, <laughs> uh, tripod's different. Tripod was not Michael Stone. Dive Tech. I love it. Drone Pilot. Uh, King Technician. Spell Check Coordinator. Payroll Accountant. I'm not naming all of them, but just my, my favorite ones. Catering, Steve's Gas, and Grubhub. So, I may have skipped because it's a bunch at once, but so far we're up to 40 uh, credits, which I believe is the record for somebody getting their name in the credits over and over again for one of these Um with the exception of, I'm pretty sure Mount Misery Road was pretty generous. Yeah, that was like just those, there's just two names with maybe one more mixed in over right. and over again. Um, but yeah, it's all his Patreons. And he's not in the Patreons, so I'm going to hold steady at 40 again. I feel like there's going to be at least one more afterwards. Yeah. Twan Strong. That's funny. And yeah, we'll be maybe making our own Amityville movie at some point. And uh, Michael Stone, if you're listening to our podcast, um, I I don't know why you would because you've already gone through the journey of all these movies, and I know that reliving that might not be your thing. And also, we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> We really aren't going to cop that out, aren't we? He made, he, made, he made another one that we had to watch, and he identified a second one. 
We're going to make one. We're assholes, too. Yeah, but until then, I get to vent my spleen at him. And also afterwards. We're pretty hypocritical on a fairly consistent basis. I don't know what you're talking about. That's part of it. (laughs) 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 See you in hell. All right. Oh, God. No, what is this? Oh, this is just the next. Oh, this is his review of Thanksgiving. Oh, right afterwards. Right, right, All right. right. Well, well, we've uh, already suffered. Resale value is. I mean, well, you guys, you guys were there with us. Yeah, you pick us. your own so, resale value. Uh, until the until next time, get out. See you in hell. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show. Or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com.